Seek would like to start this episode by acknowledging Australia's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities and their rich culture, and pay respect to their elders past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening today. Seek recorded this episode from Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung Country. Australian businesses of all sizes and their employees have experienced immense change over the past two years, leaving workplaces in a constant state of flux. So how can business leaders navigate these ongoing changes and ensure they're keeping their teams receptive to change and engaged at work? Often when you sit in the corporate office, you really don't see the perspective of the front line and how best to solve a problem. So engaging them and bringing them into the fold and, and getting them to you to help solve problems is often the best way for that to be. In this Talent Talks episode, we spoke with Lisa Burkest, Chief People Officer at Virgin Australia. Lisa helped navigate the airline's 6,000 strong workforce through the significant impacts of COVID-19, as well as Virgin Australia's transformation after relaunching under new ownership in November 2020. Lisa offers her advice on how businesses can lead through times of uncertainty by putting their people at the heart of transformation. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Hamish. Great to be here. Been a massive couple of years for your industry and indeed your your organisation and uh, we'll have limited time to talk about some of those things here today. But um, I wanted to really drill down and start talking to you about Virgin's um, transformation journey. And I'd really like you to tell us a little bit about that journey over the last two years and how you've navigated the accelerated change brought on by the pandemic. Well, as people would appreciate and probably already know that prior to the pandemic, Virgin Australia as an airline was already financially challenged. So the minute the pandemic hit, it had immediate impact and implications for the organisation, which meant that very shortly after the organisation went into administration, a number of potential purchases came along, of which Bain Capital were the successful purchaser of the business. So basically what that has meant is the first thing uh, was articulating to the business, all of our employees, what is the journey that we need to be on to ensure that we can turn this airline around and turn ourselves into a a proper profitable competitive airline in, Mm. in the industry here. We built out a a very simple roadmap for that transformation journey and we made it really clear that our people sit at the heart of that. And we started too by focusing on resetting what is our purpose, what are our values. And we had a commitment all along that as we move through the journey, we will share as much as we can with our people. Sometimes you can't share absolutely everything at a point Mm. in time, but as soon as we could, we would do that so that they certainly felt well-informed about where we were heading, why we were making certain decisions. So I think the immediate part of the journey that was the most challenging was resetting the workforce. So we had to unfortunately say goodbye to a large number of employees. And then in the um, head office, we continued to, to operate, but introduced a number of the projects to get done But it was a really bumpy ride. I mean, we had moments where we were standing the workforce up thinking, this is fantastic. We're now seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And then something else would come at us, such as Omicron before Christmas. So I think in terms of taking our people on the journey, communications Mm. has obviously been a significant part of that. Telling people as much as we can, when we can along that journey. So it's been an interesting time. It's taught us, I think, as a business to be very resilient to think outside of the square in terms of how you might solve problems. 
We've come at it with a view of our people are everything. It sits at the core. Uh, it is the people of Virgin Australia that we think sets us apart from our competitors. So we mm. maintain that. And so we put all our energy into getting things right through our people and the rest hopefully should come. So what are some of the processes you put in place, Lisa, to ensure that your people were at the heart of that transformation yeah. journey? You just mentioned things like communications. Obviously, been critically important, I imagine, with such a large number of people that you're dealing with. But what were some of the, the actual processes you had to put in place? One of the key ones was certainly communication. And we have a cadence of communicating to our people. We use the workplace tool to connect with our people sometimes several times a day. That became a key tool during the period, particularly when most people were stood down because it was easily accessible on their mobile phones and that we, they could keep check on updates, messages and, and that type of thing. But then we have a, a broader cadence of meetings that where people get to hear regularly from the CEO, from their leaders. That was certainly important. What we've also started to do is as we reset as a basically a newly formed business since administration, we're still Virgin Australia. We still have a number of our frontline people in particular who've been with the company a number of years. And we talked to them and we ran pulse surveys and we ran focus groups to find out what's important about working as part of Virgin Australia and how do we leverage mm. the great aspects of this business. And what came to light through that was this concept of Virgin Flair. And it was actually to the credit of the founders, Richard Branson, um, Godfrey, they were the ones yeah. that had this intention back in the day to have an airline where the people did sit at the core and they had a particular sort of flair that allowed them to bring the experience and the service to life. And I think, you know, to describe it very quickly at the essence is we want everyone to bring their own unique personality to work every day. Mm. Uh, we're not a cookie cutter business. We don't want to put people into a classroom and say, here's the perfect service delivery model you go and do it exactly that way. Yes, we'll give some processes and tools and support, but at the same time, we encourage people to bring their own personality, their own flair, their own diversity, that type of thing. So we ran the, the culture programs and throughout the last sort of 18 months, we've continued to connect through surveys and focus groups and just keep taking feedback that we can respond to. And then we also have just been to an extensive process of unpicking the people experience journey. So all of the touch points from I applied for a job right through to I might be leaving. We picked out the most important touch points from a, a people program perspective, and we've been resetting all of those programs across the organization. So from recruitment to training, uh, and then just the various support programs such mm. as health and well-being. We've pretty much reviewed and reset everything and distilled the number of programs down to be the ones that really matter. So rather than having too much out there in the atmosphere, just distilling it down to the things that people really need and the programs that will have impact and will matter. Must be great when you look back and what's important to your people now is still very much based on the I guess the core principles and the personalities of the founders. That that must have been a really momentous moment for you guys. It was. And thankfully, it was picked up very early during that administration process. Mm -hmm. um, a number of the team, the executive leaders have worked in airlines across the globe before. And so, when you're going through that administration process, you're obviously looking for well, what's the opportunity here and what do we pick up on and that creates that um, opportunity in the future. Some people, you know, I rejoined the organization, I joined the organization in February last year. Mm. And previously, I'd been in other airlines, but 
you know, a few people did say, gosh, what are you going back to airlines for? Are yeah. you a sucker for punishment? <laughs> yeah. But honestly, when you saw what was ahead of us, yes, the fact we were in a pandemic was certainly a challenge. But, you know, what I often heard many times, even before I joined the business, was what was special about Virgin were the people mm. and that experience you get on board, the experience you get through the customer service side of the business, etc. You mentioned challenges there. What were some of the key challenges you faced during this transformation journey? And perhaps the second part to that question, some of the key learnings that you took out of um, experiencing those challenges. So I think the biggest challenge was around just getting our people through it from a pure financial point of view, from a health, safety and well-being Mm. point of view. Then I think the second big challenge was around aligning everyone to the the reset of who we were as a business. From a culture perspective, from a strategic uh, prioritization perspective, who are we, what do we need to be and how do we all align and come on that journey together? That was definitely the second big thing. And then I think the third is around continuing to uh, manage the delivery of this transformation project, because that is what will more clearly define to the market, our customers, but also our internal people around our operating model, who we are and what we're here to do. Have you found at all that you've had to combat a bit of change fatigue throughout the organisation? Mm. Is that something you found? And, and, and second part of the question, how do you combat it? Virgin? Yeah, so definitely change fatigue. But also more than that, when I first came in just post-administration, I'd also say a workforce that had been traumatised because Mm. they had been through a pandemic, they'd been through administration, uh, we were facing into stop-start way of operating until borders opened and until vaccination rates got to where they needed to be. The things we've tried to do to help people along that path is certainly from a health and well-being point of view, we've looked at all of the programs, we've reset them mm. in terms of our outplacement services, our employee assistant program services. So where prior to me coming, there was at one point a recruitment team of 16 people, it got reduced down to only three or four people and they were solely focused on supporting the health, well-being and outplacement of our people. So that was, you know, hugely important to to help people get through just what was right in front of them uh, in terms of what the circumstances meant for them. And then in terms of change fatigue, last September in particular, we started to notice, it was probably about August last year, we started to notice that our people in our corporate offices were tired. Mm. They had been working, some of them 24-7 just to keep the lights on. We downsized um, the workforce in corporate office by 40%. And we took a decision to do a complete company shutdown for one week in September. At the time, a few people pushed back on that and said, well, I don't really like to be told when I'll take my leave and where are we going to go anyway because the borders are shut, we can't really go on holidays. But it was really interesting because after people came back, they said that is the best thing we ever did because we stopped the system. We literally turned the lights off for a week, no emails, and that was part of the rule, no emails no phone calls. If you need to text someone about something urgent, of course, that's fine. But we deliberately stopped the system because we needed everyone to sort of reset and refresh themselves. And it was a fantastic thing that we did, I think, at Mm. that time. And how are you sitting about, Lisa, measuring the success of some of those strategies that you're putting in place? I imagine that's a huge undertaking in itself as well. It is. So very early on in the piece, we developed a very rigorous governance program around the transformation piece. We also have a rigorous program in terms of how we stand an airline up and down. 
and being really strict on ourselves to adhere to those governance settings, which also includes reporting and that type of thing. So insights, metrics, and looking at them regularly. You know, as a leadership team, we meet more regularly than I have ever met with my colleagues or peers in any other business I've ever worked. And just because we feel like we're coming out the other end of it doesn't mean we'll stop doing that. I think it's something we've learned is highly valuable. We've also very much implemented agile ways of working across our business Mm -hmm. because we need people to be able to do things quicker, smarter, faster. So we've got a number of the agile techniques being applied across a number of the transformation programs that we have underway. Uh, And then once again, it's that good old communication as you move through the, the journey. How are we ensuring that we're continuing to communicate with people And because of the unique circumstances we've been going through for 18 months, sometimes you don't always get it right. So, Mm -hmm. you've got to stop, pivot and turn in a different direction and be able to take the organisation with you as you do that. So, uh, that's probably been another another big challenge for us. And are there certain cohorts of of people or even individuals within your organisation that that you'll turn to and, and, um, and I guess get a bit of a pulse check or a sense off them about how things are moving and how the people are feeling and indeed them themselves? Yes, to be honest, there's pockets across all different areas, across all different layers. Uh, One of the nice features I like about this business is we are not bureaucratic. None of us are precious and more important than each other. Obviously, Virgin historically has done engagement surveys, but we instigated them again towards the back end of last year. We started Pulse Surveys. And when we sat down and really stared into that data, what we realised is there's more we need to know. There are more questions we need to ask. So we did go out to pockets of our frontline team members. The program was called Let's Land This. And that's where Mm -hmm. we were seeking deeper insights into tell us more about this. You know, why is this happening? Why is it a concern? But also, what are your ideas to fix it? So often when you sit in the corporate office, you really don't see the perspective of the front line and mm. how best to solve a problem. So engaging them and bringing them into the fold and, and getting them to you to help solve problems is often the best way for that to be. We plan to run those pulse surveys at least every six months across the organization. And then we've been running them team by team in areas who just feel they need it because they just they've been through so much change or they've just instigated so many yep. new things. They just want to check in and see how people are feeling. And the next iteration for us will be around a culture survey to make sure that what we intended to evolve by way of culture is actually what's translating sure. um, and having, you know, having the impact that we want it to have. It'd be great to focus on the importance of strong people leadership as well. And you mentioned leaders there before. What are the key skills you think leaders need to be good change leaders? Well, I think certainly given the period we've had is resilience and tenacity. Mm -hmm. So resilience just to keep waking up every day and being able to face into challenge after challenge. And then the tenacity to take those problems and work them through without compromising, without becoming complacent. Uh, I think they're two really, really important skills. And then I think in terms of getting the work done being able to prioritise, ruthlessly prioritise. And that, I think, is supported by really good judgement and decision-making. We reset our values across the organisation and, Mm. you know, one of them, for example, is we own it. So, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, if you see something that's not right, lean into it. Don't walk away from it. Don't expect someone else might solve it for you. Raise the flag and say, you know what, guys, this isn't right. We now have a Virgin Flair reward recognition program to support the, the rollout of those values. And every day across our workplace tool, people are nominating others 
and acknowledging what they did where against each of our our four key values, which is fantastic because you learn best through storytelling. And so hearing those examples daily reinforced across both corporate and frontline has been, you know, really encouraging. And you mentioned being really ruthless around priorities and, and, you know, doing the things that really matter. How have you said about getting your teams, your employees to understand that prioritisation and actually get Lynn tackling the things that matter? How have you said about doing that? Something that was really effective, and it was slightly before I even joined, our CEO, Jane, brought the top two layers of leadership together Mm -hmm. and they stared into, well, what is everything we could do, but then what is everything we should do? And they were able to distill the strategy down to a plan on one page. So Mm -hmm. it has five pillars. And without going through all of the pillars, as I said earlier, the one that sits smack bang in the middle is Virgin Flare Pillar, which is about the people recognised as the the number one, uh, well, not the number one because safety is obviously very important in an airline too, but the people are the ones that will bring this all to life. And so we have basically hung all of our prioritisation off those pillars. And communicating that down through the organisation, I think you sort of mentioned that as well, but you must have taken quite a lot of learnings out of, of how to really take what are some big subjects and actually communicate yeah. that down and be really transparent. I'd love to hear more about how you've done that and how you review it. Yeah, no, it's a really good question because all of this is about taking the complex and making it simple. Yeah. We're very much about how do you take a 10, 15-page pack and turn it into the three slides and how do you describe the activities as it relates to the job an individual does and where they fit in and how they can really impact it. So the way you read, let's say the safety OKR, which obviously in the operational side of things is paramount, you know, what you see written as the accountabilities of our chief operating officer, by the time you run that right down to the front line, people that are operating, you know, in the cabin, et cetera, uh, or in guest services or the baggage handlers on the ramp, how we describe what safety means for them and translate it for them is really important. Mm. So they don't need to see absolutely everything that sits on the scorecard of the chief operating officer, but we certainly want them to feel and understand the piece of that story and that intrigue mm. that matters for them. I guess over the last couple of years, a lot of businesses have you know, navigated their way through the pandemic either by reflex or making reactive decisions, you know, look at government guidance, the latest developments, but we've moved to another stage of the pandemic. And what advice can you give businesses how they can change their approach to change management as they look to reset and come, I guess, post-COVID? So I think the two things which we've certainly touched on here in this discussion is the narrative. What is your story? What do you want your what is your story today and what do you want to evolve your story to be? And be really clear on that and continually check in and take your organization on that journey. But your organization's going to want to see proof points that the story's true. And the proof points are are we delivering transformation? So how are we holding ourselves to account around the priorities we choose to focus on and the outcomes of those priorities so that we can demonstrate we're moving in the right direction? Because as tough as the environment has been, you can actually turn what is a real challenge and on Sundays felt like a disaster into an an enormous sense of achievement. And I just feel we're starting to transition to that phase now that It's not all doom and gloom. Yes, it's been tough, but look at where we are now and look at what's ahead and how fantastic is that. Thanks for joining us for this episode. For more ideas and discussions on the world of work and all things recruitment and HR, 
Stay tuned for more upcoming episodes of Seek Talent Talks.